This is Cabernet and True Crime, the place where good wine and true crime come together. Hello, party people! It's me, Jana, the one who does this podcast. (laughs) I'm stoked on life for several reasons, Um, mostly because I feel like I'm finally about to hit a stride with this, uh, you know, whatever this is, the podcast, the, the YouTube channel, I finally think I found a way to make everything I want in life sync together, and I am fucking excited about it, so that's that, um, I think the, uh, tagline for this is gonna change a touch, and I tried to record it, and it got all fucked up, so... Not today, the tagline. (laughs) The tagline is not changing today, but it will be shortly because I have got some new shit on the horizon. Okay, baby? And I'm really excited about it, um, if you couldn't tell. Um, yeah, so this podcast is actually going to be a lot different than normal, and I actually had a completely different plan for this podcast, and then, um, I didn't realize that my new camera that I just purchased doesn't come with an SD card, so... That's annoying, but that's okay, because you know what? I'm an adaptive individual, and we're going to make do with what we got. Um, so basically, I'm going to ruin the surprise for you. I'm going to start recording, like myself, recording my podcast, like with a camera, and then posting that onto the YouTube machine. Um, and then that way I can add more, like, visuals and clips and stuff. I really, I'm getting good at editing, and that's, like, a really arbitrary word there, because I'm not getting good at editing, but, like, I feel like I'm getting good at editing. Does that make sense? So I like to do YouTube videos because I feel like I'm learning a skill set. And since I don't edit these at all, out of principle, um, I, I think I like that aspect of it. So this was supposed to be recorded. It's not going to be. I am still going to post this episode because there's a lot of really good video clips to post in this. Um, but it's not going to happen the way I thought it was going to. I'm going to record this twice. So <laughs> so if the next version, if you go to YouTube and look it up and it doesn't sound anything like this, that's because I had to do it two separate times. Kind of annoying is what it is, right? Okay. So we are going to be talking about, um, it's not actually true crime related today. I mean, it kind of is, but kind of isn't more of like a conspiracy theory down, down rabbit hole, not down hole, rabbit hole. I know what I'm doing. Uh, I like conspiracy theories. I like falling into these pits of just random information, and that's what I did for most of the day-to-day. Fell into this random pit of information. So, um, yeah. I hope you, you hope, 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 hope you're excited about it. That's all I have to say, because I'm excited about it. Um, yeah, let me grab a swig of my drinky drink, and then we're gonna get started. And I'm sorry in advance. I feel very chaotic today. I don't know. It's been a really long... It's Monday. It's been a really long day. I'm just... I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it, though. Okay, okay, okay. So today, guys and ghouls, we're going to be talking about the 2009 Taconic State Parkway crash. Which... If you haven't heard about this, I have actually talked about this uh, documentary on my podcast before, I do believe, and if not the podcast, absolutely the YouTube uh, channels that I did for my serial killer shorts. Um, The HBO documentary, Something's Wrong with Aunt Diane. Um, Literally life-changing. 
It won't be up tonight for obvious reasons, but if you get a chance to, I'll be posting um, this podcast kind of again, but with more information on my YouTube channel. Um, That's going to change a little bit, so I'll keep you guys updated on what's happening. The changes are going to happen this evening, though, most likely, and that'll be exciting. But so, something's wrong with Aunt Diane. It is a fascinating and thought-provoking YouTube, well, it's on YouTube, too, if you want to watch it for free, but it's on several of the streaming sites. If you have HBO Go, you can watch it. Um, it's also on Amazon. I think it's free if you're an Amazon member, like a Prime member, but I could be wrong. But so, um, yeah, uh, there are more things to come. I'll figure out how to do this, like, recording and then editing and then that video for that. I'm telling you, there's there's things coming. I literally was sitting at work today and had a had a dang old brain blast, and now I I feel like, um, I feel like it all makes sense now. I've been waiting for it to click and make sense, and now I feel like it makes sense. So, uh, do be aware that this will be on YouTube with much more information, most likely. Okay. <laughs> okay, so this documentary, Something's Wrong with Aunt Diane, has literally haunted me from the first time that I've watched it, which is why I talk about it so often. Um, so I watched it three years ago, three fucking years ago, and I still talk about it to this day because the whole documentary is just so bananas. And it, it, like, I had originally put it on the TV for something just to listen to, like, while I was folding laundry or something. And then, like, I sat there and watched the entire thing, and actually it made me cry, which is weird because most TV shows or, like, documentaries don't obviously make me cry. This one did. Um, I'm not going to talk about why it made me cry, because if you want to watch the documentary, then I'll leave that for you to find out. But there is a very specific scene where, like, I lost it and I started crying just, like, a little bit. Only a little bit. Um, so I want to talk about this documentary. And if you haven't seen it, um, like I said, I do recommend you do. And I told you where to find it previously. Um, Even if you wanted to watch, like, just snippets of it on Amazon, worth it. Or not Amazon, sorry, YouTube. It's worth it. Um, I will link it in the description of the YouTube video that's coming up if you want to watch the entire documentary in its entirety on YouTube. Um, I'm basically going to be talking about this, and this podcast too, and the YouTube channel, presuming that you've already seen it. Um, at least for the most part. I will kind of cover the the generic bases, but I do recommend that if you want to listen to this podcast that either you pause it right now, but make sure you come back, and uh, watch this documentary, or listen to this whole podcast all the way through, and then go watch the documentary and kind of maybe form your own opinions. Um, This is meant to be a thought-provoking process, and I don't expect everybody to agree with me. I do come to some conclusions here that I personally feel it's kind of like the Casey Anthony case that I covered um, many moons ago, um, where based on the evidence and the information, I come to my own conclusion on things that may have happened, and you are so, so welcome to disagree with me. And if you do disagree with me, please let me know. I love to discuss this stuff, so I'm not saying that my my word is gospel. It is not. Um, this is just based off of what I have read and what I have seen. The information that I have gathered is this is what I believe to be true. And, you know, you might go and read and watch something else that leads you to believe something else is true. And maybe 
you're right. And maybe I'm right. I don't know. I won't know until we talk about it, right? Um, I'm always willing to learn, always willing to make mistakes and learn from them. And I've got no qualms with being wrong. <laughs> so with that being said, after an eight minute long fucking intro, um, let's get down to uh, the basic synopsis so I can get into what I want to say here. So if you don't know what the 2009 Taconic State Parkway crash is, let me give you a little baby synopsis. So on July 26th, 2009, eight people were killed in a minivan, or when a minivan traveled 1.7 miles in the wrong direction on the parkway and collided head-on with an SUV. The crash received nationwide attention and garnered a lot of speculation, um, mostly cries of how could something like this happen, who's to blame, and so forth. So after the first time of watching the documentary, Something's Wrong with Aunt Diane, in my opinion, um, I thought it did a really good job of displaying both sides of the story. Um, So Diane Schuler was the person in in charge of the minivan. She was driving the minivan, and her family versus the family and the car she hit and it presented really compelling stories that made it difficult to choose a side and I will say that from the first time I watched it um after looking more into the facts and seeing like just basic data that isn't skewed by an emotion um I feel like the documentary was kind of one-sided towards the Schuler family, if I'm going to be completely honest. Especially, I just rewatched it now to, like, get kind of some more information, especially for the YouTube episode. And I really do feel like, I don't think, I don't think justice was com- completed by that, if that makes sense. But I could be wrong. I mean, I, in my own personal opinion, I don't feel like this documentary was fair. Unless you look at it with the right mindset. Okay. So, um, both sides of the story really do pull at the heartstrings if you're willing to believe everything that everybody says. And, um, of course, it, like, it's a tragic incident no matter how you hash it out. I mean, honestly. Which, I mean, we'll get into more of that, but, like, it really is just a really tragic, unnecessary incident that happened. And, obviously, it's gonna pull at your heartstrings. I mean, I don't usually enjoy talking about child death, but I'm going to forewarn you that it is a massive part of this event. Um, I really tried to skip over all of it um, because it was really, really heavy in the documentary, and I don't know what benefit that has for anybody. I mean, to talk about that in great detail... So I, I really don't discuss any of that in in this or the YouTube uh, episode, promise, because that is just, it's really disturbing, and I don't see any benefit in discussing that. So um, I think, and we'll get into it later, but regardless of how you want to hash it, there really is, at the end of the day, only one person to blame for this for one reason or another, and that is Diane Schuler, and you can cut it however you want to. I mean, 
people don't want to look at it like this. But oh, there, there is a, a decent community of people who want to look at it the way I do. And that's kind of where I base my opinion off of because people are showing facts and they're not basing their things off of opinion. And once again, I'm going down a weird like talkity talk rabbit hole instead of telling you what I'm talking about. But I think this when we get there, like you'll understand why I'm saying all that I'm saying is what I'm saying. All that I'm saying is what I'm saying. You know, <laughs> you understand. Um, so, um, after rewatching the documentary, like I said just now, I think I found some answers. Like, after watching it twice and really falling down the rabbit hole of Reddit, I really do feel like, in my heart, I found the correct solution to this. Um, that might just be me. Uh, I will credit the Redditors when I get there. I did actually direct quotes from their Reddit posts because I thought they were so fascinating and so well-worded that I couldn't have done a better job doing it. So, um, yeah. Okay, so, but, like, here's the deal. We, we gotta back it up because here I am going down this fucking burb-a-lurb talking about stuff, but, like, we need to back it up to go over, like, a timeline of what happens that day. Okay? Cool. So, let me paint a picture for you. It's Sicily, 1912. No. <laughs> Picture it. It's Friday, July 24th, 2009. Diane and her husband, Danny Schuler, um, are enjoying a weekend of camping with their two children, Brian, who is five, and Aaron, who is two. Uh, Diane's brother, Warren, let his three children go on the trip with Diane and Danny. Um, the three girls' names are Emma, she was eight, Allison, who was seven, and Katie, who was five. Um, the families were super close, they got along well, and they had no problems between them. Diane's nieces talked to their parents regularly over the campout weekend and reported no issues. Everyone was having a great time. Around 9.30 a.m. on July 26th, the family got packed up to return home from their camping trip. Um, they were in New York. Uh, Danny packed up the family dog and the camper, and Diane packed up her brother's red Ford Windstar minivan with all the kiddos inside. The couple left separately, and again, there were no issues to report. So, at like I said, at 9.30 a.m., Diane and the five kids leave the campsite. At 9.56 a.m., uh, Diane and the kids stop at McDonald's for breakfast. Diane talks to several employees, orders the kids breakfast, and lets them play for a while. So, um, they have uh, video footage of her going in there and letting her kids play in the, the playroom. At 10.36, Diane stops at a gas station. She looks for pain meds, but doesn't see any. Um, she talks to the clerk and asks them if they have any, and uh, they say no. On camera, she promptly leaves. There was no sound to that, so people don't actually know what she's talking about, which we'll get to that in a minute, but there was no sound to that interaction. Um, and her time there, if you watch the YouTube video that I'm going to post, is very quick. So she... There's a lot of speculation behind this interaction. At 11.37, Diane calls her sister-in-law, which is Warren's wife, Jackie. She lets her know that they're running a little later than they should be, and they have a short conversation, and Jackie admittedly says that uh, Diane sounds normal in that time. So by noon, according to witnesses, Diane starts driving aggressively. She changes lanes frequently. She is, quote, precise as in, she's changing lanes, but not swerving. She's driving straight and narrow. But she has picked up her intensity. She's driving more aggressively. Between 12.15 and 12.30, um, Diane is noted to be driving very aggressively. She's honking at people, 
uh, riding people's asses, like tailgating. She's trying to pass cars on the shoulder, and uh, she makes it to a rest stop, rest stop area um, where she appears like she's going to vomit. Many people make a comment that they saw her looking like she had her hands on her knees like she was throwing up. At 12.55, Diane makes a strange phone call from her phone while driving. Um, she actually makes several phone calls from her phone, and she's only calling wrong numbers. So the phone numbers she's dialing aren't to anybody that she knows. Uh, I do think, if I recall from the documentary, they were like a digit or two away from people that she knew, but she was just calling random phone numbers um, to nobody. By 1 p.m., Emma, little eight-year-old Emma, uh, Diane's niece, calls her mom, Jackie, and she says the infamous quote, there's something wrong with Aunt Diane. Uh, Brian later, so Brian is Diane's five-year-old son. He later says, quote, mommy's head hurt and she couldn't see. That's what was wrong in the situation. Um, there is, some people do speculate that that ever actually happened and that the Schulers were trying to make an excuse for what was going on, but, uh, that's neither this nor that. Um, the other kids can be heard crying on the phone call. Diane takes the phone from Emma and tells her sister-in-law that everything's okay. The kids are just playing around. And to Jackie, she sounds drunk. Um, when Jackie asks to speak to her daughter, Emma, Diane ends the call abruptly. So by two minutes later, Warren gets a hold of Diane's cell phone. Diane was stopped and out of her car. She thinks she's on the phone with Danny. Like, she doesn't say, hi, Warren. She says, hey, Danny, when she answers the phone. Uh, Warren instructs her to stay where she is, and he will come get them. He's like, stop driving. Stay where you're at. I know where you are. Because Emma and the other children are able to read road signs and tell um, the father where they're at. So he's telling Diane to stay put, and so they shouldn't be leaving anywhere. By 1.10, Diane dials three wrong numbers and then leaves her phone on the lane divider. So she leaves her phone on, like, the highway. Um, she gets in the car and drives off. By 1.30, Diane begins to drive on the Taconic Parkway going the wrong direction. She does not acknowledge any honking or flashing lights coming from the car she's barely avoiding. Witnesses report that she has a serene expression on her face and that she's driving calmly and straight. Um, she is not swerving. She drove in the fast lane for 1.7 miles at 85 miles an hour before hitting oncoming before hitting an oncoming SUV head-on, killing all three people inside the SUV and all of the minivan's pers- uh, passengers, aside from Brian, who was the only the only survivor of the incident. Um, at this time, an open bottle of Absolute Vodka is found in the passenger seat. So the van traveled, as I just said, for 1.7 miles on the passing lane before colliding head-on at 1.35 p.m. with a 2004 Chevy Trailblazer, um, which that car actually ricocheted and struck a 2002 Chevy Tracker, um, but those the people who were in the Chevy Tracker ended up being okay with only minor injuries. Uh, at the time of the impact, Schuler was driving 85 miles an hour in the wrong direction down the highway. Schuler, her daughter, and two of her nieces were dead at the scene of the crash. Um, they apparently, it's noted that the children did not appear to have their seatbelts on, although they were not ejected from the car. That is a speculation, but the kids were not ejected from the car. There were first responders that were there very quickly pulling the kids out of the cars, trying to save them quickly. Um, 
All three men in the trailblazer were deceased on the scene. 81-year-old Michael Bastardi, his 49-year-old son Guy, and their friend, 7-year-old Dan Longo. Um, So the issue here, this is already a very awful, tragic car incident. Absolutely. Um, But the issue here, for most people, is that the Schuler family... I mean, they suspected that something really tragic happened to Diane. Um, because in their eyes, and to the public, Diane was this beautiful, well-to-do supermom. She had an agenda. She made sure her kids got to everything they needed to do. She made dinner. She cleaned the house. Like, she, in everybody's eyes, was this supermom. So Diane's family um, really believed that something had to have happened to her for this to happen, um, like a health issue, a heart attack, an aneurysm, like something, uh, because they, they didn't see this as being her character, you know? However, um, the autopsy, though, doesn't give them the news that they're hoping for. So, on August 4th, 2009, the Westchester County Medical Examiner announces that Diane had a blood alcohol content of 0.19, and high levels of THC in her system, both of which had been consumed while she was on the road with those kids. Now, Diane's family denies that this could have even been possible, and there was uh, had to have been some type of medical emergency, like I said beforehand. Her family did not believe that she could have done something like this. But we'll get into that in a second. Um, so the investigation of the collision drew nationwide attention uh, because uh, Danny just really did not agree with the fact that she was probably intoxicated at the time of the crash. So with a blood alcohol content of 0.19, and she had approximately 6 grams of alcohol in her stomach that was not absorbed yet, um, I mean, you can't, at that point, you can't deny it. You don't just accidentally get a blood level alcohol of, like, 0.19. That's not just, that's not how that happens. Um, And for the record, the legal blood alcohol content limit for driving while intoxicated in New York is 0.08%. So, she was more than double the amount to be considered, like, driving intoxicated. Okay. So, even though the family was adamant about things, science and technology, and I'll say this to the day I die, science and technology don't lie. They don't lie. Science doesn't lie. That's like one of the great things about science is that you're always going to get some answer from it. It's science. You know? So that's how I feel about it. <laughs> I mean, I hate to be the harsh one here, but like they don't. They don't lie. That's facts. So here's some facts. Fact number one, and no matter how I don't care how great of a person you think Diane Schuler was, I don't care if she was a super mom, Diane Schuler must have been drunk and high during the time of the accident, and there's no way you can convince me otherwise. They ruled out every type of way, like, holistically, for her blood alcohol content to be that high. She was drunk while she was driving. I don't care. I don't, I don't know her reasoning. I don't know if she was always like that. I don't know. I don't know those things, but I do know that at the time of the accident, She had a blood alcohol content of 0.19 and 6 grams of alcohol in her stomach. And that's that. Like, that's the tea. That's all there is. That's that's life, you know? You can argue that, but that is 
I'm not here to call her a bad person, but that is what we're dealing with. Science and statistics. And the director of toxicology stated that she had to have smoked, she could have smoked weed between 15 minutes to one hour before the crash for the amount of THC in her system. I'm going to trust a director of toxicology. I feel like that man knows what he's talking about. He went to school. He did a lot to earn that title. Cool. Yes. So, um, there are people out here who really, really, really go out kind of on a limb to try and make excuses for this action. So I'm going to say right now, I'm going to tell you these, and you can feel free to believe them if you want to. If your soul tells you that this is the case, then like, that's fine. Argue me. I'd like to know your opinions on it. So several people turned to the Ambien theory, which is a massive theory that a lot of people believe in. So Diane had a prescription for Ambien. It can cause memory loss and impaired judgment. It is plausible technically, that she may have taken Ambien the day of the accident, or I've even read the night before and still had Ambien in her system while she was drinking, like, the next day. However, there was no Ambien in her toxicology screening anywhere. Just put that in your pocket. Other people turn to a dental theory, which is very big in the documentary, saying that Diane had mouth pains or like a headache or something wrong with her teeth. There was um, this whole big thing about how she had some abscesses in her teeth. However, there are no abscesses found during her autopsy. Just throwing that out there. She had no dental issues in her autopsy. Do with that information what you will. Um, Diane's family, Warren and Jackie included, surprisingly, um, state that Diane wasn't an alcohol abuser. Danny stated that she, on occasion, would smoke marijuana, um, and Jackie disagreed on the frequency of usage, but both can agree she wasn't out, she was not an outright stoner, but she did smoke from time to time. Um, and they both agreed that she was definitely not a drunk. Diane's autopsy didn't show any markings of cirrhosis of the liver, but we'll get there. <laughs> we'll get to my theory. We're getting to my theory. Don't worry. I'm, I'm just telling you what everybody else thinks. And if you want to believe those things and that's how you feel, go for it. I'm not here to stop you. I'm just, I'm building my case to what, <laughs> to what I believe is the truth. Um, it has even come down to people suspecting that this was a murder-suicide. Um, and I mean, while that's possible, I suppose, it seems strange that she would go through all these measures to take the kids down with her, especially, like, on purpose, like, just out of a sober mind and body, like, just running your, well, she obviously wasn't sober, but there's people who believe that she had a blood alcohol content of 0.19 and that she wasn't drunk, which that part I don't understand at all. I don't know who, I don't know how that would work, but people just think she just all of a sudden decided to do, like, a murder-suicide of, like, these kids or whatever, but like that I don't, That doesn't seem to fit the case if she was, like, this perfect suburban mom, right? Like, in my head, that doesn't seem to fit the case. Cool. Although, oh, I skipped ahead. Um, other notes, this is just a random other note, Danny Schuler's fucking weird in this documentary, um, he's in complete denial that his wife could have been anything other than perfect in this scenario, and I get to why I think that in a little bit, but I think he's guilty, Like, his conscience is guilty of whatever it may be, but I don't think he's, 
I don't think he's very realistic to the situation, right? I think at some point, if your spouse really fucks up, even if it is, like, maybe in your head a little bit your fault, you kind of need to own up to the fact that, like, your spouse fucked up, right? I mean, obviously, it's ugly. It's ugly. It's not beautiful. It's awful. It's disgraceful. It's, you know, every negative adjective you can think of. But, I mean, at the end of the day, like, who are you helping by lying to yourself, because you're not helping anybody, in my personal opinion. But that's just, I guess, once again, that is my personal opinion. Okay. Um. So although there aren't any, I'm using finger uh, quotes here, obvious signs of alcohol abuse, the autopsy report does note, um, quote, some cerebral softening and mild fibrosis of the heart valves, valves, valves which um, can be a sign of alcohol abuse. And I mean, who says she's been abusing alcohol for long enough to, to like to have medical signs of it? Just because she didn't have her liver, just because her liver wasn't like just fucked up and filled with cirrhosis. That's, I don't think that's a reaction. <laughs> just because she didn't have any of that doesn't mean she wasn't an alcoholic. I feel like it doesn't take that long to escalate into alcoholism. Maybe I'm wrong, but you know what? You don't. Do you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying. I will make a note here, though, that according to the, I think it was a private investigator that Danny hired for whatever, some absurd amount of money, he was trying to say that uh, Diane couldn't have been drunk because she had ordered an orange juice at McDonald's and that she was talking to people, but I hear orange juice and I think screwdriver, so... (laughs) One of us is in the right mindset and one of us is not. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> um, okay. So, at some point, you kind of just, like, you can't let your own personal bias for your wife, for your sister-in-law, for whoever, um, like, take over your rational thinking, right? I mean, at the end of the day, there are facts and figures and as I've said before, science behind this situation. And there are so many people who are letting their emotions get involved. Just because you don't feel like somebody is capable of doing something does not mean that they are not capable of doing something. Put that right out there. We've learned it time and time again. There's so many people. If you asked, if you asked Ted Bundy's mom, do you think your son would be a serial killer someday? Almost everybody is going to say, no, I would never expect that. That's the thing. The human nature is so capable of doing things that you never expect it to do, and especially in the the most trying of times. It's like the picture I'm about to paint for you is not a woman sitting on a happy beach with a pina colada in her hand, like accidentally killing eight people, right? That's not where we're at with this. There, This, in my opinion, had to have been like a very perfect storm of just chaos, that came to a head and it, it nobody could have stopped it and if they could have it would have been stopped if anybody could have stopped it it would have been diane and we're gonna get into that okay so let's let's readjust because my butt's falling asleep because i'm sitting on the floor in my closet and um stating like even if the Schulers don't want to admit certain aspects of the story like if they want to live in whatever denial they're in honestly Everybody needs closure. For um, little Brian, who 
10, over 10 years ago, had to deal with this for the whole, uh, fuck, why can't I think, I just read their last name like 400 times and I can't remember it, hang on, hang on, hang on, Bastardi family, like, just admit that you're wrong, like, I just don't, for this to keep going on for this long and people trying to keep it going is just honestly awful, just admit that you're wrong, don't speak ill of the dead, which is completely understandable, but admit that something was done incorrectly. Admit that you're wrong. That's all I have to say. Um, okay, so here's a theory. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to divulge off this theory. And hi, welcome to like the longest episode I've ever done before. So here's a theory that I'm going to go down. Diane was a closet alcoholic who was very high-functioning. And maybe her family didn't know. That's a very, a very highly likely case. A lot of people, especially alcoholics, go out of their way and they're very good at manipulating people. And they're very good at keeping people from knowing what they're doing. And they're very good at being good at being an alcoholic. Because people who don't want to change won't. Maybe, in this specific instance, uh... She'd been found out driving drunk, because she technically was, and maybe she wanted to keep it a secret. Maybe she didn't want to be found out. Um, so this is where Reddit comes in for me. Um, if you go to the r slash unsolved mysteries page, there's a whole delightful rabbit hole of people you can um, read what they've written in that whole section. I spent like four hours <laughs> reading that today, and um, I picked out one of the ones that I really liked um, to read to you. So, Pure Perfection what, is a user. I don't even know if these people are... This is from over four years ago. So, hi, Pure Perfection. Thank you for writing this because I really liked it. Um, so, to quote her or him, it doesn't matter, um, they said, The right question to ask probably isn't, quote, what caused Diane to act so recklessly, but, quote, what caused Diane to abuse these substances more ex- excessively this day? Accurate. Um, Torty Cat TX said, and this was a really good quote that I liked. Um, when her brother knew something was wrong, his kids were telling him, it, him she could not see, and she was saying she could not see, but he did not call 911. He told her to stay put, and that's when he would come to meet her. This is classic child of alcoholic behavior. In a family in denial of alcoholism, everyone focuses on protecting the alcoholic from being found out or facing any consequences. So, those two things being said. I mean, there's the theory I'm about to go into does have... Um, you have to make a couple assumptions before you can go into this theory, which is kind of what I've been leading up to. I didn't want to just like take you to this path because then I felt like you'd fight me on it. But if I if I led you to this path, if you're still here um, for my mumbling and bumbling, you're getting to a place. So I personally believe, and this is this seems like it's like okay, if you're looking at like the Goldilocks method of like one method doesn't fit and one method doesn't fit, but then like the one fits in your head, it fits perfectly because it makes the most perfect amount of sense. You could almost get into that person's body feel what they were feeling, and then, like, understand the situation, this would be it. So, I firmly believe, personally, in the Jesus Take the Wheel theory, which is a new one that I read today. I never heard of it before, and the second I read it, I was like, yes, I believe this. So, 
Um, it's a multifaceted and kind of deep, and it requires a lot of assumptions about Diane and her family life, which I already said. Um, but in my personal opinion, it seems to fit the most accurate, accurately. And I got all this information. I did fact check it, but I got all this information, like the the main argument from um, the user Okay Seriously Bro on Reddit. Um, it's incredibly informative and a thought-provoking post and you can uh, go back and double check everything that's been stated on this and it does check out so there are two prevalent theories for the most part okay like i said the goldilocks method there's one murder suicide um and two that she was a raging alcoholic who got too drunk and caused an accident which i'm not sure if either of those is accurate, as stated previously, I think it's a combination of the two. A nice Goldilocks method. Um, so here are the assumptions we have to make. Assumption number one. Diane was mentally unstable. Um, she was able to mask her instability through humor and other tactics, but she was selfish enough to end those children's lives one way or the other. Which, I mean, is not like a black and white theory, because... Normal, sober Diane may not have thought this way, but drunk, on edge, in pain, frustrated Diane, I don't know her. I've never met her. There's no way to know. But I have been (laughs) nice, sober, amazing Jana, but I've also been drunk, frustrated, not feeling good Jana, and I know how different those people can be. Just to throw it out there, right? Okay. You, I mean, if you've ever gotten drunk before, if you've ever gotten drunk enough before and then mad at the same time, you know that that person isn't necessarily the same person you would be sober. I think we can all agree on that. And there are some times where you may assume that drunk you might not be the nicest person and might not make the best decisions. That's also an assumption you have to make. Assumption number two is she hated Daniel and her brother Warren and wanted them to suffer. Um, I think this is a little bit more of a stretch, and I think way more situational, but there were theories that I did read, and I don't remember if I go into big detail about these on this, or if it was mostly mentioned in Reddit, but there were a lot of people who believed that, um, Danny was cheating on, uh, Diane. For several reasons. I do hint on one of the the in the next sentence well not the next sentence but in the next conversation I will I will hint on that um part of it and I mean maybe she hated her brother Warren there was this underlying theme in the documentary about how Diane hadn't talked to her mother since she was like nine and then all her brothers made peace with their mom but Diane refused to and she hated her brothers for some reason I don't really know um so a lot of people wonder if Diane was upset that day Um, and she might not have just been upset that day because there are people who are speculating why would she go out of her way to get that drunk that day, right? Um, it's a valid excuse. Why out of all the days? So if if you're assuming that she was a functioning alcoholic and if you're assuming that that was kind of like a norm for her, then what happened on that day that really put her over the edge? Was it her tooth pain? Was she hungover, hair of the dog? Not sure. There are people out there that believe that she and Danny got into a massive fight that day, and that may have been what really just set her off. Um, she'd been married to Jan- Danny Schuler for over a decade, and Schuler was her last name legally on her work ID and everything. Um, her phone, and I don't remember if it was her phone or her voicemail, was identified as Hans, which was her maiden name. So something happened 
where she went on her phone plan or on her voicemail and changed her last name to Hans. What happened? Don't know. Couldn't tell you. But there was a little a little beef there. And they also left separately, like distinctly separately. So I don't know, did they fight? There's no way to know if they fought. There's no way to know. I mean, because Danny would never speak ill of his wife, but there, there's never any way to know what actually happened. But something happened where they were pissed off at each other at along the lines of some point. So, um, and if you don't want to believe that theory, that's fine too, because let's say Diane actually had a headache or a toothache. Plausible. Have you ever had dental pain before? Because I cannot stand when my mouth hurts. Cannot, cannot function when I have any type of tooth pain. So, I mean, shit, if she's been using vodka and pain pills to help her through that pain, um, you know, self-medicating for that, I don't find that hard to believe. I really honestly don't. There have been times where I've had an issue with my tooth, which I did not know that my tooth was rotting out of my head and I had to have it pulled and replaced and implanted. That was a whole another story. But my tooth hurt so bad that, you know what, sometimes I get home from work and I would pour myself a drink because I wanted the pain to stop. Is that healthy? Absolutely not. But did I do it? Absolutely yes. I mean, I never drove anywhere afterwards, but getting home and like taking a shot or, well, I never took shots either. I don't like shots, but making yourself a drink to like make that pain stop. I absolutely understand that. And I think almost everybody, maybe not, maybe not alcohol, but I think that, that just being in so much pain, you want it to end kind of pain. Dental pain does that for me. Now I wouldn't drive head first for a mile and a half going 80, 85 miles an hour on a highway, but like I would make myself a drink. That is the distinction, you know? So I absolutely understand that. So maybe that was her thing. Maybe her tooth had hurt for a very long time and she was using alcohol to numb that pain. And maybe it had gotten out of control. Maybe nobody in her family knew that it had gotten out of control. So I'm not like actively blaming Diane, but I mean, I'm kind of blaming Diane. Whether she knowingly acquired this addiction and did this, no. I mean, who wants to get addicted to something? That's stupid. Nobody's out there looking like, not. nobody's hankering to get an addiction, is what I'm saying. But sometimes circumstances allow where it happens. It happens. Every single day, people get addicted to something. So what if your mouth hurt, and you, you found, you know, screwdrivers are the way to make your teeth stop hurting? Why wouldn't you do it? If nothing else worked and that pain was unbearable, why wouldn't you do it? I like, and I can completely understand that in my brain that it would make sense to do, right? Um, unfortunately, though, Danny will never admit the fact that his wife had any type of problem. She was perfect in his eyes and a goddess, so that's kind of annoying. But we we know once again science and autopsies. We know what at least some of the truth is. Okay, so um, we might have to imply from that that maybe she's driven drunk with the kids in the car before, and that she felt comfortable doing so. I mean, maybe not blackout hammered, obviously, but anybody who's ever drank or been an alcoholic or had any type of issue with that, myself included, I mean, I'll even go out there and I'll put myself on the line and say, like, yeah, I know, I know there's a limit. There's a limit where I cannot drive anymore. I mean, technically, you're not supposed to do anything, but there, but every person who's ever had an alcoholic beverage in their life is like, I know when I need to stop because then I need to switch to water and then I'm good, you know, like, so there's, there's that limit. I mean, 
you know, maybe she'd driven, maybe she'd had a couple drinks before and was like, yeah, no, I'm probably still okay to drive. Maybe today was a different day. Maybe she thought she could pound that screwdriver and get home before it really hit her. Maybe she didn't eat breakfast. Maybe she didn't have anything at McDonald's and she overestimated how much she had drank. Maybe, you know, there's so many factors here that maybe she just didn't know what she was getting herself into, right? I mean, there's, there's a lot of uh, factors there to think about, but we know she was drunk when she died. That is, she was twice the legal limit in New York state when she died. No matter how you hash it, science. Um, so the, the drive from the campsite to her home was a long one, even if you're not intoxicated. Um, say she had the headache and tooth pain or say she was pissed off or say whatever. She wanted to make that pain stop. She hits the Sunoco, which was the gas station she stopped at, but they didn't have any pain meds. But she has a bottle of vodka stashed in the car from the camping trip. You know, I mean, maybe, like I said, maybe she makes herself a screwdriver to numb the pain. Literally. And maybe that's where that goes south, and the kids notice that she's intoxicated. Emma calls her dad. So, you know, maybe... And this is all pure speculation and maybe opinion, but maybe Diane comes up with a couple plans here. Plan A is she races home um, to stop anyone from calling the cops. Uh, it was a joke. She's not drunk. So this is where she's driving aggressively but neatly um, with a purpose. Uh, maybe Diane assumes that that plan isn't going to work. So plan B, you know, there's still, she's still backpedaling. Um, she could kidnap the kids and I say kidnap loosely, but she could take the kids somewhere and wait until like, you know, she's good again and then go home. Um, and she can just head home and be like, haha, I was doing something nice for your children. We went on a little road trip, blah, 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 blah. Um, maybe she plans to try and buy time and maybe that's when she's makes the wrong turn. I don't know. Um, but then we get to plan C, which I think is the ultimate, you know, Jesus take the wheel method here. And that is where Diane maybe realizes that the second plan would be suspicious. Um, with the erratic and confusing phone calls, she doesn't want to get in trouble. She doesn't want her kids to grow up without a mom because I'm I'm assuming she realizes that if she gets caught driving drunk, and as drunk as she was, maybe she expects that she'll go to jail for quite some time. And there is a whole heavy issue with the whole documentary about um, her growing up without a mom. So, you know, maybe she was such a power mom because she didn't have one. And maybe, you know, she didn't want to get caught. Maybe she didn't want to get caught. Maybe she had drank enough at that point that she didn't care. I don't know. Um... So, you know, she goes 1.7 miles down the wrong side of a freeway in, in the wrong direction, um, playing chicken with other cars. She's in the farthest left lane. She could pull into the grass if she needed to. Um, she was right on the median, but she doesn't. All the cars and oncoming traffic dodge her except for one. I mean, this had to have been some type of deliberate action on her part. She obviously didn't just accidentally drive 1.7 miles going straight at 85 miles an hour in the wrong direction. Not with five kids in the car. And I mean, somebody made a comment that, like, 
it wasn't just like you said, oops, I, I, cause there's been time I've been sober and made a wrong turn in a car before, you know, and you're like, oh shit. And then you realize you made the wrong turn, but you don't drive two miles going 80 miles an hour in the wrong direction on the highway. That's not an, that's not an oops. I don't care how drunk you are. That's not an oops. I mean, if you're drunk and you're driving whatever, but not with five kids in the car who I'm sure were upset and screaming at the fact that their aunt was going the wrong direction on the highway. That's not an oops. So all the people who try to say this is an accident, it's not an accident. I can say that 100% in my heart that I know that it was not an accident. Now, whether it was her first intention or what, I'm not sure, but there's nobody else here to blame. That's not an accident. I don't care if you're having like a delusional episode or whatever, which is what the documentary tries to the spin is that, you know, she was out of her mind and delusional, whatever. She could have pulled off onto the median at any point in time. She was on the right side of the road to pull off onto the median. All she needed to do is move four feet over to the left and she would have been on the median. Like, and she would have been in the grass. She would have been safe. She would have been fine. But she didn't. She didn't. So... People want to figure out who they want to, well, who they want to blame in this. And honestly, <laughs> I mean, I don't think I think it's glaringly obvious, in my personal opinion. Um, so although the Schuler family still believes that Diane was perfect, um, and they go to great lengths to maintain uh, the image of that, it's only damaging the victims here. So, like I said, um, not only were Diane's three nieces killed in the car accident her own daughter was and Diane was as well but the three people in the car that Diane hit um their family and it's very prominent in the documentary that the family is very upset with the Schuler family because they just want closure they just want the Schulers to admit that what they did was fucking wrong and you know what they it's so heartbreaking in the documentary because they just want, they just want somebody to say sorry. Like, just for somebody from the family to be like, yo, man, my wife fucked up, you know? And, I mean, obviously it doesn't undo anything, but the fact that the the Schuler family, at least Danny in general, has really gone out of his way to try to promote this whole his wife was perfect and it wasn't her fault thing, it's really keeping the other family from coping. And grieving in the way that it should be able to. It's really upsetting. Um, so yeah. <laughs> that really bothers me that like... Even if... I get that it's your family. And I get you want to try to protect that that was your wife. You know? I mean, whatever hard feelings, whatever. Even if you're self-blaming a little bit. Whatever. At the end of the day... You have to look at the facts and you have to look at the science and say, listen, dude, like she fucked up. She fucked up. Did she mean to? It's hard to tell. She might not have, but she fucked up. Does that suck? Yeah. Yeah, it sucks. And it sucks that your wife and now you have a son who has to deal with this tragedy and you don't talk to your family anymore. But you know what? That's she fucked up and that's something that everybody needs to come to terms with and just fucking say you're sorry you know even if you're not even if you're not even if it's like kind of a half-assed apology like just 
let it go and say you're sorry. Because I don't think it's fair to torture another family. I mean, all these families are tortured. It's not a beautiful scenario. But nobody's going to heal if everybody's in denial and lying to themselves. Right? Like, how do you expect to organically heal from any situation where nobody's nobody's admitting what happened? I don't think that's fair to either family. Um, police said there were at least six separate witnesses that called 911 to report the van driving the wrong way. And several drivers flashed their lights and honked and sh- to get Shuler's attention. So it wasn't like she she didn't know. Between the kids screaming, I'm sure, which they were, and the drivers on the highway, there was no way she didn't know. Which the, um, that was the part that really got me in the uh, documentary. It was right after, it's towards the end, right after the accident happened. I started sobbing. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. Um, I found a really interesting article and I know this is getting really, really long, and I promise I'm almost done. Um, I saw a really interesting article about how women typically have an issue with addiction, and it usually goes unchecked. And um, I'm going to read you little snippets of it, so sorry if this is a little unorganized. So it's hard to raise children. This is from thefix.com. I wish I could remember who wrote it, but I, I can link it. It's hard to raise children, and a long car trip with five children under eight may have been um, intolerable without a drink or two. In fact, police found an empty bottle of absolute vodka in the crushed metal of Schuler's minivan. For many women, especially women with young children and necessary jobs, alcohol or marijuana are what seem to make it all possible. Schuler came from a drinking culture. Her husband had a previous DUI, and she knew what magic booze and pot can work. A drinking calm frayed nerves and confer patience enough to deal with the clamoring demands of a young child. A joint can clear a clear headed or sorry, a joint can clear a headache or a blunt the kind of dental pain Schuler suffered from. For a long time, drinking can work very well. For Dan Schuler, however, the solution became the problem. She's an extreme example of what happens to many female alcoholics, women who feel under intense pressure to be supermoms, to excel at careers, and to look good at the same time. In the aftermath of the Schuler story, there was a great deal of useful reporting about women and alcoholism. For a month or two, a light was shown on the significant problem that we generally prefer to ignore. Over the past decade, a slightly madcap trend in, quote, drinking moms has emerged. Websites like vodkamom.com, they wine, I drink wine, and tweets from hashtag martini mom, like soccer mom but with vodka, encourage a naughty glass of wine or three to ease the difficulties of raising children. At the time of Schuler's accident, a Sacramento mom's Facebook page called, Oh my God, I so need a glass of wine or I'm going to sell my kids, had 72,000 fans on Facebook. Women alcoholics are different from men, and they are often harder to spot. For one thing, many people have a hard time believing that a woman, that delicate creature bursting with maternal instincts, can have the same alcohol problems as men. But we do. The National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism estimates that one-third of all alcoholics are women, although many experts consider that estimate too low because of the strategies women use to conceal their addiction. Another reason alcoholism in women often goes unnoticed is that we tend to spread our addiction among several different substances at once, which this, I was reading this today, and I went, oh my god, it's absolutely accurate. So to be slightly addicted to a lot of things is far more acceptable than to be enslaved by addicted to one thing. 
An alcoholic woman can pass as someone who, one, occasionally gets drunk, and two, is always struggling with her love of sweets and a bit of extra weight, and three, can't quite live within her budget or balance her checkbook, and four, sometimes sleeps with the wrong man, and not one, not even the woman herself, spots this classic addiction strategy. Such a woman would likely recoil from the label of alcoholic, she only drinks too much every now and again, or a food addict, it's just 10 pounds, or a money or sex addict. But addicts are known to frequently switch from one substance to another. One recent study found that a significant number of post-bariatric patients who could no longer act out with food acquired new addictions like gambling, smoking, or alcoholism. Alcoholism in women often goes unnoticed because we tend to spread our addiction among several different substances at once. And I'll repeat again, to be slightly addicted to a lot of things is far more acceptable than to be enslaved by addiction to one thing. This is my, this was my method for hiding addiction, the girl who wrote this article, and it may have been Diane Schuler's. She struggled with overeating, she smoked pot at night to, quote, get a good night's sleep, according to her sister-in-law, and she clearly understood and depended on benefits of alcohol. Like Schuler, I succeeded so well that I hid my addiction for years from almost everyone, including myself. I had no idea that the problems in my life, the failed marriages, the financial struggle, the late-night eating, the idiopathic fainting spells, the occasional embarrassment after too much wine, the fender benders, had anything to do with alcoholism. I did well at work. I was a good mother. And that's how Diane Schuler was seen. She was a good mom who occasionally stressed out and overate and maybe didn't pay the bills on time. But as a woman, especially myself included, I can see myself in that statement. You know, I online shop. I have a blog called Cabernet and True Crime. I drink wine all the time. You know, like it... It is fascinating when you look at like when you look at it like that. When you can look at it, when you step out from a situation and look at it like that, it's fascinating. Um, we're almost done. I promise. I just wanted to include that because I thought that was really cool. Bop, 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 bop. Um, the family didn't talk with police at all. Um, Schuler and Hanses refused to give police statements and got lawyers. Danny didn't speak to police until after the press conference when we see in the documentary. The Hanses called 911 only to get an Amber Alert out because they couldn't find Diane. Jackie was freaking out in the documentary because she can't remember the license plate number. No one called 911 after talking to Diane and the kids from the family. Um, another question that came up was, did, ooh, excuse me, did Diane really ask for pain meds at the Sunoco gas station? Why didn't Sunoco have Tylenol or any over-the-counter like pain medicine? The police couldn't get uh, the employee at the Sunoco to talk to them, but the guy that, uh, Danny Schuler hired could, which this guy, Tom Ruskin, let's go down this rabbit hole super duper quick. That's the attorney or PR or whatever that Danny Schuler hired. He is not a good person. Um, you shouldn't believe anything he says, but just so you are forming your own opinion, let me tell you a little bit about him. Tom has had all of his licenses removed. He's banned from practicing. He's been arrested for stealing a woman's purse. He was in trouble for laundering money. And he only cares about money and he'll get it any way possible. If you pay him, he will produce a claim that says whatever you want it to say. Um, he tried to claim that Diane got drunk off of something called Anbasol, which is a numbing medication for your teeth. 
it, like, it's basically what would be, be no, not Novocaine. Oh, shit. Why can't I think of the name of it? Oh, I'm going to kill myself when I hear that. Okay, so it's like the stuff that you put on your fucking tooth. You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. I'm trusting that you know what I'm talking about. Stuff that you put... Origel! Origel! <laughs> it's like Origel. You put Origel on your... Yes. Um, because it has alcohol in the product of it, but the alcohol is not the same as what you get in a toxicology report, and it would not make your blood ru- blood alcohol content skyrocket to 0.19 please, Tommy Ruskin, like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard, um, and he didn't even, (laughs) this made me laugh, this comment, he didn't even bother to look at the back of the box to read ingredients before he made such a huge claim, um, Tom tried to claim Diane's body burned so much that her sugar turned to hyper, hyper, ooh, super high levels of alcohol, which is why she had such a high blood alcohol content, but if you've seen, which I don't recommend looking at them, but they do show them in the documentary, um, her autopsy, or, like, her, the crime scene photos of Diane, she's not burned at all, um, she was pulled out of the car well before the car caught on fire, so there's literally no burn wounds on her, so you can't say that, like, her, the sugars in her body (laughs) turned to alcohol, does he know how any of this works, um, it's like, one thing doesn't work, he throws out another, and he just, like, takes people's money to try and come up with whatever excuse he can for things, so the fact that he said that she asked for, pro- or not Prozac, <laughs> the fact that she asked for, like, a Tylenol or something at the at the gas station is just unbelievable. Um, and then the final... I did... So somebody wrote a review, and I wish I could remember her name. She wrote a review on the uh, Amazon review of this documentary, and she said, the only thing I've ever believed out of Tom's mouth was the fact that the lab got Diane's tissue tested and it came out the same as the state's finding. I appreciated that. Um, And the fact that the body has never been exhumed, uh, even in 2020, is just... explains volumes, because there are a lot of things that you could try to disprove or whatever but I think the Schuler family absolutely understands that like you know what happened happened and by exhuming the body and get it testing getting it tested again is just going to give you results that you don't want so what's the point of doing that um at the end of the day I don't think Diane Schuler was a bad person um I think she was sick and I think she had problems and I think she was hiding it really really well from her family can you blame her family for believing that she was a good person when that was all she ever really showed them? No, you can't. But I think when looking at the facts and the evidence and the science, as I'll say again, behind this whole case, I think the Schuler family, the remaining Schuler family, kind of needs to look at it. And you can't keep edifying your wife in this instance she fucked up. Does that make her a bad person? Absolutely not. I don't think she was a bad person. I think she was sick and she had a problem and she made a mistake. And unfortunately for her and, you know, both families involved, that mistake cost a lot of people their lives. But I mean, once again, that doesn't make her a bad person, but people should get help before they're in too deep. And that's, that's what I'm going to leave this on, I guess. I don't know. A lot to think about. If you have anything to say, feel free to message me, comment about it. Um, I'll be posting this with some clips from the documentary on YouTube uh, after 
this, not tonight because it's already late and I talked about this for well longer than I thought I was going to. (laughs) So, um, if you want to watch that and maybe comment on that and tell me how you feel about it and we can discuss, you know, what you guys think. Um, yeah, this was a really fascinating rabbit hole to fall down and I hope to bring you guys more super passionate content like this. This is what I like to do. So, um, with that being said, happy True Crime Tuesday, even though this isn't technically true crime. I mean, it kind of is, but it isn't. And I will see you guys next week.